Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Be ready, Utah. When you think of extreme weather in Utah, tornadoes are not usually at the top of the list, but tornadoes do occasionally pass through the Beehive State, including a very deadly one in Salt Lake City 23 years ago. Hard to believe that, 23 years ago this month. So the big question for me is, what do you do if there is a twister or a major uh, extreme weather condition that you find yourself in the midst of? KSL is partnering all year on emergency preparedness with Be Ready Utah to bring you this information and really thrilled to have joining us on the program today, Kevin Eubank, who's the chief meteorologist at KSL. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Oh, Boyd, thanks for having me on your program. It's always a pleasure. Hey, let's start with the, let's start with tornadoes. We know they're they're a rarity, but we have seen uh, some tornado strikes in the southwest of late Arizona, Nevada. One, of course, that we saw down in southern Utah. What is it that's uh, causing this to occur, and what do we need to be aware of as it relates to tornadoes? Well, it's interesting, Boyd. This, I mean. I'm a weather guy, and I happen to come from a weather family, so we've talked about this a lot in our family over the years. But the truth is, is as early as the pioneers got to the Salt Lake Valley, they they observed tornadoes. In fact, the earliest ever reported was was 1869. So, wow. you know, really 20 years after they got into the valley, there was a little uh, water spout tornado that kind of went up American Fort Canyon, damaged a bunch of, of bridges that they had made going over the, the river, Uh, to get up to the canyon. And the first fatality that ever happened in Utah because of a tornado, not very widely publicized. We've only had two in the entire state's history. And uh, there was a little girl back in 1884, July 6th. Mm. Her name was Kitty Wells, and she was camping with families in Wanship or outside of Wanship. And a tornado came up over their camp and knocked down a very large tent, and, uh, and she was killed under that tent. So Tornadoes have been here forever. Uh, There's a bit of a misnomer, and the August 11th tornado, 1999, kind of dispelled the whole concept of, hey, you don't get tornadoes where there's mountains. Um, We're so used to the Midwest and the big open plains, and these tornadoes can grow and get huge. And there was kind of that that idea that, hey, you know, mountains are really going to stop tornadoes. Well, that's just not the case. Some of the strongest tornadoes we've ever had have been in the Uinta Mountains. The Salt Lake tornado went right over the Capitol Hill, Memory Grove, into the avenues. So, um, mountains are, are inhibitors, but they're not they're not 100 percent stoppers of, of tornadoes. So we average two a year here in Utah and uh, we uh, we get them and some of them most most definitely can be severe. Yeah. And so what are the things that we sh- that we should be aware of uh, if that uh, 
tornado does come through. Yeah, I think it's it's there's two basic things. First off, there's nothing that you can really do structurally to your home that is going to protect it, save it, make it better from a tornado. Um, obviously, a home like a, a mortar and brick home is going to have a little better uh, damage sustainability than, say, a mobile home or something that is is lighter in construction or, or other. But new building codes have really taken into account the strong winds and tornadoes that we get here in Utah. So there's not a lot of outdoor preparation that you can really meaningful preparation that you can do to to limit the amount of uh, damage that a home would have. You can cut back trees and get some old trees or trees that are precariously positioned away from your home. A lot of the big damage happens in any kind of strong wind, tornado or otherwise. When you get a large tree that comes down on a home and a big branch will impale the roof or or break windows or so being again fire safe or or perimeter safe around your home kind of serves multiple purposes, including uh, in a tornado. The best thing that you can do, and it goes along with the whole theme of what we're talking about, to be ready, is with any emergency situation, you need to be able to be self-sufficient. So whether it's a tornado, whether it's a flood, what doesn't matter, you need to have an emergency supply kit. You need to have batteries and generators, power. Um, in all likelihood, during a tornado, you're going to, and, and subsequently after, you're going to lose power. You might lose natural gas. You might lose heat. And so you've got to be prepared for the aftermath from, if it's temporary, a day or two days or a week, to be able to provide for yourself to protect the contents of your refrigerators or to have the supplies that you need to maybe get through a short period of time where full services might not be available. Yeah. Uh, I want to broaden just a, a little bit now uh, and kind of go to just this awareness in terms of weather conditions and whether it's a t- tornado or a, a flash flood or a, an instant, you know, one of those uh, thunder bumpers. Uh, what is it uh, that we should be aware of as we're out and about in this beautiful state? I know this is part of what drew you into weather in the beginning was this idea of there are things we can do to to be safe while we are enjoying all of the, the beauties of nature. Yeah, Boyd, it's so much easier today than it's ever been in our history. You used to have to have a weather radio and tune to a weather band and be in a place where you could hear it. Now, most of us carry a device right on our pocket or in our, in our purse that, that has the ability to let us know exactly when there's events happening near us. So we've got a, a robust KSO weather app, and this isn't just a promotion for the weather app. There's lots of great weather apps out there. But you can select, hey, I want you to notify me about lightning or watches or warnings or, or tornadoes or severe thunderstorms or floods. And you can choose what you want to be notified And then all of a sudden, if you're in an area or a storm is coming into your area, you get notified. And that's a big deal because all of a sudden, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you get to be in the know about what's coming. And then just to be aware. So often you and I do the same thing. We get going during the day and we just don't really pay attention to some of the things that are going on because we're we're focused on other things. If you've got outdoor plans, you're going on vacation, you're, you're in an area just be aware. Um, be aware about what's happening and and uh, take the initiative because when you're unaware and you don't have the plans set, that's where the panic kind of sets in is all of a sudden it's like, whoa, 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 what's happening? And when there's a plan and when there's awareness, it's a little easier to cope with some of those things that can kind of creep up and and be a little scary at first if you're not if you're not prepared for it. Yeah, that, that's such an important point. And we, we talk about the idea, the principle that opportunity favors the prepared. And whether that's a, a real opportunity for a good thing 
or whether it's in the midst of a really bad thing, like a, a weather event like this, opportunity always favors the prepared because when the pressure mounts or when things go sideways or the unexpected happens, uh, having that plan, having that preparedness uh, allows you to take advantage of what you need to do to think clearly, to make good judgments, good decisions. Uh, what are some of those things that we should kind of have in our focus uh, in terms of a plan so that we can be prepared for some of these weather events? Yeah, I've listened to some of your other contributors over the last couple of weeks and months, and they've really given your, your audience some great ideas. The one thing is the more prepared we are, the more able we are to share and help with our neighbors, our community, and people that need it. So our preparation often isn't just for us. It's meant to be a strength to the community at large. And you need to make plans. You need to communicate with your family. You need to have, no matter what the emergency is, you need to have kind of a mode of operation, guys. If there's a problem and we can't get in touch with each other, this is a gathering point. And it may not be your home. It might be a, a grandparent's home or a central place. But this is our gathering point. If something big were to happen, this is where we're going to be. You've got to be able you you got to be able to communicate. And oftentimes you can't do that because you think your cell phone or other things. So you really, the more forward thinking you can be, the more communicative you can be, and the more that you can get your family, loved ones, or those important to you on the same page before the event happens and almost with an automatic reaction to, hey, it's on. This is the steps we're going to go through. We're going to first, let's try to communicate with each other. Can we reach each other via cell, via text, via whatever? Okay, no, we can't. How, what's the next phase we're going to to check in? And that could be central location, if that's what you've decided, or that's a central way that we can communicate. We're going to go somewhere and we're going to make sure that other people know we're okay. And there's a check-in, a third party that maybe lives out of state or a family member that you can try to get a hold of over there that can then bring everyone together and let them know that things are okay. But you've got to be thinking about it now and you've got to put some plans in places and then you've got to pivot. And um, what you did five years ago probably isn't, it's probably good, but it probably needs to be refreshed a little bit, revisited, retalked about um, so that your kids or your now new in-laws or your grandkids they kind of understand what are we yeah. what are we doing what are we going to do when those things come around oh, fantastic kevin eubanks chief meteorologist at ksl and one of the great human beings on this planet kevin always appreciate your perspective thanks for joining us today oh thanks boyd have a great day all right you've been listening to ksl's emergency preparedness series by be ready utah if you have questions about emergency preparedness you're not sure where to start find the answers at be coming up next some final thoughts stay with us on inside sources here on ksl news radio I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.